Nothing can stop us now. Did you miss me? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Slay with Swell and Jay. I am Swell, and with me is... I'm Jay. Hey, Jay, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. We're uh, we're back. This is, what, episode 10? Episode 10. We have officially hit double digits. Double digits. If we were a young child, we'd be having a birthday at Dave & Buster's. I love Dave & Buster's. Or... I actually, I had my 10th... I remember my 10th birthday party, we went to Dave & Buster's, and we saw the Truman Show. Oh, Ooh, what a birthday! So, so that illuminates uh, my age a little bit. You you uh, you went and played. Wait, you know what? That might have been my food, that yeah. might have been my eleventh birthday actually. Eleventh birthday. Okay. I think that was my eleventh birthday. This this whole bit is a failure now. I'm so sorry. I just but, think about I just having this like this vision of you like playing the arcade games and like having really like you know that the, the food and then uh, going and having a, having an existential crisis at the Truman Show. Yeah, that that pretty much sums up what I if that was 98, so I guess 11. Yeah, 11. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. you don't yeah. need to know how old I am. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, in our last episode we talked about our most anticipated movies of 2024 and uh we're going to now take the clock backwards and talk about our favorites of 2023. Uh and I don't know about you Jay, but I thought 2023 was a really terrific year for cinema. It was. I loved it. I mean, I think I went to the theater more than ever and I saw so much good uh so much good art. And uh, I know we talked about 2024 last week, but uh, 2023 was a hell of a year. It was. And and what I think is so interesting about 2023 is on paper, it should have been the first truly complete year of cinema since really the pandemic. Yes. Um, a lot of movies that were delayed from 2020, 2021 were finally releasing. You had, you know, everything from art films to the biggest of blockbusters. But then, of course, we were hit with both the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So even then, some movies that we were supposed to get this year that may we may have been talking about, like Dune 2, for example, got pushed to this year. So even then, it wasn't truly a complete year, but it was still a really terrific year. Yeah, um, I think I think it was a great year. I mean, I really think I'm not saying one movie makes or breaks it, but you mentioned it. If uh, Dune Part 2 had come out in November as it was scheduled to do, uh, I think that the year would have been even better, obviously, because everybody was, you know, most of us are looking forward to that film. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited about it in March, but, you know, it'll it'll be a good addition to this year in 2024, so. I, I agree. I'm really excited for that. I, I already have my tickets. Yeah, um, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we are each going to talk about five films from 2023 that we really, really loved. Yes. Um, and then after that, we're going to just ping pong back and forth with a bunch of other honorable mentions. Um, and I do know there is some crossover between our lists. So for your own uh, edification listeners and for uh, true clarity and honesty, we definitely compared and contrasted our lists ahead of time and made sure that we would not be doubling down. So, you know, there are many films that Jay's going to talk about that I love, many films that I'm going to talk about that Jay loves. We just didn't feel that we needed to like both talk about the same movies, but we may weigh in on each other's choices because um, opinions course. are what makes the world go round. And uh, these are not going to be in any particular order. If you want to see my full top 25 in order with writing, uh, uh, you can check the link for that um, on social media. Um, but this, we're just going to keep more free form. We're going to just bounce back and forth. Uh, these are not in order. These are just five films. Both of us uh, really loved. Do you want to get us started with uh, your first pick, Jay? Uh 
I will get us started with um I'm well I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies of 2023 and that is The Holdovers. Ooh. Uh, uh Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Um just tremendous film, tremendous film. Um kind of I didn't I didn't understand where it was going. Uh, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, by the way, some of the movies we're going to talk about here, we're going to talk about spoilers in the movies. Um, we always do. Um, I try to give a warning before we start discussing this stuff. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're worried about a spoiler, you know, you can skip ahead or so on and so forth. I'll try to be as obscure as possible, but I didn't see the twist coming in the holdovers. That is the one thing that put the film over the top for me, um, about, uh, the main character, the student's father. Mm. um uh the 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 struggle that he's going through and his family's going through and what they're dealing with i think um paul giamatti for me um i mean there's a ton of great performances in 2023 but i do hope he wins the oscar okay. i um i i think he deserves it I, I i think i think it's such a weird he always plays like a curmudgeon you know and in this movie he is a curmudgeon um but there's it's like that you know that twist in his character that he's just a misunderstood person that he often, you know, lied to himself about, you know, how miserable he was or, you know, or what he had accomplished. And he was just scared to move on with his life too. And he finds redemption in, you know, watching kids, particularly one kid over, you know, a winter break holiday from a private school. If you haven't seen the film or know the premise of the film. Uh, I, 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 I usually like Alexander Payne's work most of the time. I I, mm. I don't I don't think there's a lot of Alexander Payne stuff that I dislike. Um, but this is probably I know some people say like um, Sideways is their favorite Alexander Payne film or you know so on and so forth. Uh, the Holdovers is my favorite Alexander Payne film. I I just, okay. I just loved it so much. And then you had to be Joy Randolph who is gonna who is nominated for a supporting actress nod. Davine Joy Randolph. Sorry. No, um, no, 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 no. I, I love her so much. Yeah. I, I I love her. I think that she was tremendous in the film. She might have even stole the movie. And I think she is amazing, amazing actress. And I just, I love the holdovers. It, you know, and the more I talk about it, I'm going to talk about some bigger films in 2023 in my list that everybody says are good. Um, the holdovers for me was, was, it might sneak in there and be my favorite movie of the year. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I, I love the holdovers also. Um, and uh, you mentioned sideways. And in many ways, the holdovers, when I first watched it, it felt like a spiritual sequel to sideways. It does. Um, it does. Know, it, it very much feels like that. Yes. It's a reteaming of, of star and director, of course, but even tonally, it's sardonic. As you said, Giamatti's playing a curmudgeon. It also has a lot of heart. Um and the other thing that you didn't mention is I think this is going to become like a perennial holiday classic. I think this movie is more so than any we've had in years going to be one that people are going to add to their December rotation and watch year after year after year. I know I am. I, um, I, I, I definitely am. I, but I, think, it, I think it's tremendous. It's such a cliche, but it makes you laugh and it makes you cry. And what more could you ask for? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that was my first pick. The holdovers. Great. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to talk about Sean Durkin's film, The Iron Claw. Ooh. Uh, this film knocked me on my ass in the best way. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm a wrestling fan. I would not remotely call myself a wrestling expert. Um, in fact, I would argue that hanging out with you and certain other people has rekindled my uh, enjoyment of wrestling in the last Good. few years. When I was a teenager, 
I watched all the time. I, I like many other red-blooded American people, were obsessed with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and when he was first coming out and in that era. Sure, um, sure. So I admit I was not that familiar with the Von Erich family of wrestlers. Um, and I almost wish I wasn't because their story defines what it is to be a tragedy. It, um, it, it's very tragic, yes. It's so tragic. I, I'm, I cry, I'm in Mark, I cry easily in movies, but by the end of this movie, I was like sobbing and shaking. And that is what the impact of great cinema can be. But, you know, I think what's so great about this movie is it, it never feels sensationalized. It never feels saccharine or manipulative. It's really controlled. It's very focused. Sean Durkin just has such a steady hand that makes it all feel really naturalistic. Um, and the performances, Zac Efron gives the performance of a lifetime in this movie. Um, both his physical transformation and what he's able to achieve emotionally are so stunning. Um, and then you have Jeremy Allen White and Harris Dixon and Hope McElhaney as their father. Um, this movie explores like toxic masculinity and it explores the perils of the American dream and how with one little thing going wrong, it can all collapse under you. It's just a beautiful film. It's a tragic film. And for me, at least, again, I'm not an expert. I think it had really great wrestling sequences. It felt like they earned those moments, well choreographed and staged. Just a really terrific, really sad movie. Um, I will say this about all the performances because uh, um, there's one performance in the film. I mean, obviously you're talking about Zac Efron. Um, there's another performance in the film that has people have talked about a lot. And uh, I, I wanted to just briefly address it is like the uh, the Ric Flair um, mm. that everybody loves to talk about the Ric Flair because Ric Flair is such an iconic wrestling character. Sure. Um, I'm actually kind of I'm in the minority that I didn't mind the portrayal of Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. um the performance um people say well that's not rick flair i i actually liked it not being rick flair or kind of like not being rick flair or sounding like the normal rick flair because it didn't become a caricature you know sure um i it was enough to differentiate him you know from from the actual person rick flair like i don't think people understand that they i don't think they really want to see rick flair you know like i don't yeah, it's, it's it, I just know that there's a lot of conversation around it. Like people say they don't like that. They, it didn't feel like Ric Flair. It didn't sound like Ric Flair. I was fine with the performance. Ric Flair's in the movie. The character's in the movie for what, five minutes? Yeah. You know, it's five minutes. You know? So I have I have thoughts on that. Yeah. OK, number one, just because a film is based on a story, a true story, it's still a work of fiction. Right. So any film creates its own reality. So this mm -hmm. is a fictional uh, interpretation of real life events. There is no requirement for fiction to have veracity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be 100% accurate. It has to capture the spirit and the essence in a way that relates to the story. Yeah, the guy who plays Ric Flair, sure, not exactly like Ric Flair, but it has the same impact in the story. I think the performance works well with the tone of this film. If it had been too Ric Flairian, it would have been so over the top and the juxtaposition between the tone of the rest of the film and what unfolds in the third act, it wouldn't have worked. On top of that, I'm so deeply tired of like one little minor, theoretically out of context thing becoming the one thing that people judge a work of art on. Right. It drives me crazy because it's like, what do you, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. You know? I, I thought the guy who played Ric Flair did a really nice job of playing this movie's version of Ric Flair. If you don't like it, that that's your choice. I'm not here to change your mind. I agree. I I'm agree. just saying this is why it worked for me. And I think it's impact in this movie. 
achieved what it set out to do. I agree. Um, and there's so much great stuff in this movie. Um, A24 just continues to, to, for the most part, kill it with all these films they take chances on. They've been doing so well. I, I mean, we could have a whole separate discussion about... Um... We should well, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll do our like top ten favorite A twenty four movies. I mean, I was gonna do, I was gonna say about A twenty four. The two of the two of my favorite companies this year were A twenty four and Neon. Yeah, Neon. Neon's, neon's killing it too. Neon, neon's killing it too. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, the only only other thing I want to say about the Iron Claw is A twenty four has a really nice merch shop, and they're about to release a Zac Efron uh, as Von, as a Von Erich action figure that I cannot wait to purchase. I, I thought you were about to say like the Zac Efron creatine uh, bundle. Oh you know? well, listen. <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> oh man. All right, Jay, what's your next choice? Uh I'm gonna choose one. I know like again, we discussed this before we, we went on. Um, I'm gonna choose something that is uh, some people like, some people disliked, a lot of opinions about it. I'm I'm gonna talk about Ferrari okay. a little bit. Um I love I love Michael Mann's work. I, I I do. I just everything he does, I usually, you know, everything has a certain it's his man's work is always like, it's just about like all of his stuff has like different tones. Right. So like every, everything is different in a way. It's like each film is very, very unique. And this movie, I didn't know what to think of this movie. Cause I'm not like a, I'm not like a big car guy. Right. I don't know. Why would I, why would I be interested in the Ferrari family and you know, how Ferrari was saved from bankruptcy and all, and all of this and, and what happened. Ferrari, Adam driver was, um, great in this film Gr just great i i i love the film so much there's so many like really quiet moments in this in this movie where it, it, you can just feel the tension in rooms as things happen with his wife and you know he has a situation where he has a whole another family on the side and he's he's going through the situation where his wife is basically trying to take the company from him because you know she's hurt she's you know he's got this whole other family a whole other child of you know whole other thing you know um and it, it's and also I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the, you know, the racing sequences in the movie. Um, they're exquisitely shot. Um, you can feel the speed in every frame. It, 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 it's it's very every crash is visceral. In fact, again, we're talking about spoilers here. One of the things that happens in the race, the, the penultimate race of the film is there is a very violent crash where uh, n more than one person dies. And it's it is probably one of the most shocking things I saw in a film mm. um, in two, in 2023. Um, it I saw it opening night and it, you know, we were all watching the racing. I'm in this full theater. We're all watching the racing. We're all having a good time. I mean, keep in mind, this movie came out on Christmas, right? Yeah. And you have to watch a Ferrari race car wipe out about 55 people, you know, along the side of the road as it crashes along the side of the road, men, women, children, and man didn't hold back either they showed severed limbs body parts it is one of the most jarring things i saw in 2023 yeah I, the whole theater was speechless you just heard people just breathing like just gasping it was it's one of my it's not i mean obviously this sound weird but it's one of my um it's one of my favorite shot sequences this year this this year i say this year but of 2023 like yeah. i just it was so abrupt. You know? Michael mm -hmm. Mann is a great filmmaker. There's no denying mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. and the 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 visceral mm -hmm. um, intensity he can bring to his imagery was super evident in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also I thought Penelope Cruz was. Oh yes, yeah, Penelope Cruz is I his wife. I think the, the best yes. part, the oh best gosh. part of the movie, the best performance in the movie was Penelope Cruz. In fact, I was sort of uh, 
rooting for her to get uh, some nominations didn't happen that's okay um yeah it's a solid movie i don't i didn't love it as much as you did but it's it's good for sure yeah i i I know that there's i know that there's some uh I know that there's some misgivings about the film. Some people don't like it. It's it's very, there are very quiet moments. It's very slow in certain places. I know that some people were panning, you know, Adam Driver's performance. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opinion about the film. Um, it's, I've discovered it's probably either people really like it or they, or they kind of, are, you know, ambivalent to it. Yeah. And I, I, for some reason, I just really, really like the film. And I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even like a race car guy. So, you know, I, it definitely spoke to me in a way. So it was in my yeah. top five. I will say, I think it's time for Adam Driver to not play an Italian. Uh, yes, I would love to see. Considering him do some he did roles. House of Gucci and Ferrari. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's he, he's he loves playing Italians and, and well, he, and he he even said like it wasn't intentional. I just like the scripts. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, I think he's such an incredible actor, and what you know, I think he's genuinely one of the great talents working now and watching his career unfold and the choices he makes. You know, he's gotten to work with. You know, Spielberg, Scorsese, Noah Baumbach, the Coen brothers, Spike Lee, uh, Ridley Scott, you know, and on and on. He's Steven Soderbergh. He's gotten to to work with so many great filmmakers already, and he's really in the early stages of his career. So, yeah, he's 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 always great. He's got he's got a lot of range. He can go other places and he will. I believe he will. And he's got a lot of good performances, I'm sure, coming down the pipe for him you know i i expect him i expect him to be heavily nominated over his career and i kill it i feel strongly he's going to win an oscar someday yes he just Um, it it just depends on the role yeah he already has two nominations i believe so um okay uh i'm going to talk about a film called all of us strangers Mm. um this film also opened uh very near the end of the year i think on like december 22nd um, it's directed by Andrew Hay, who also did Weekend. Um, mm. It stars Andrew Scott, Paul Mezcal, Jamie Bell, and Claire Foy. Um, I know you said earlier we're going to talk about spoilers here. I'm not going to spoil this movie because I think part of the magic and wonder of this film is the moments when you realize what it's trying to accomplish. Mm. Um, I will say it's an exploration of grief and an exploration of loneliness and how difficult it can be to let go and move on. Mm. Um, it's tender and intimate. Um, it's romantic. It's um, very queer. Um, mm. And it's just warm and lovely. Andrew Scott gives such an incredible performances, and he has to do things in this film, both physically and emotionally, that in lesser hands could have been very cheesy or um, fake. And, and he nails every element of this role um much like the last film i talked about this is one that by the end i was sort of sobbing mm. um but it has such beautiful imagery and andrew scott and paul mezcal have amazing chemistry um it, it might not be for everyone it's slow it it is um it deals in allegory at times and has a lot of symbolism both visually and in the dialogue um but i i thought the film was intoxicating and very impactful and in fact um was one of those things where it really had me reflecting back on things in my life and my choices and the way I respond to things um really just a beautiful film and uh one worthy of discussion for those who have seen it like when you know exactly what's going on I think there's a lot to discuss about what happens I know I'm being so vague here but 
just an incredible film. Uh, I, I hope more people get the opportunity to see it. And in fact, I think uh, later this month in February, it is hitting Hulu. Um, so if you have not seen All of Us Strangers, give it a shot. I have not seen it. Um, I was going to say, also, if you have a local cinema, a lot of the larger theaters are re-showing the Oscar movies now. Mm -hmm. The ones that are up for nominations and stuff. They're showing them maybe one or two shows a day and, and flipping them around. At least my local theater is showing, has a couple screens that are just showing one or two showings of each movie. And you might be able to catch some of these things we're talking about, even if even if you didn't see them when they first came out or yep. they didn't show in your town. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the ones I didn't see. And I'm I'm gonna try to see it next week. Um it's it's that one and it's that one and um there's a couple of ones uh, that I didn't see. That one in Zone of Interest is the other one I need to yeah. get done. So, you know, yeah. All so, right. What 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 movie are you gonna talk about next, Mr. J? Uh Pillars Ooh. of the Flower Moon. Okay. Uh surprise, surprise. Um <laughs> I mean, what what can what can we say that already hasn't been said about Killers of the Flower Moon? <laughs> I mean, Lily Gladstone. Um uh, I hope she wins. I hope she wins an award. If she wins an award this year, amazing, amazing performance, amazing performance. Yeah. I mean, the movie is so. Here's the thing: if you go, if you're going to a Scorsese movie, how how long are these movies these days? He's like a he's making like three and a half hour, three hour and forty five minute movies, right? Yeah, you know, something like that. And he has the ability to make films that hold your attention that entire time. Mm -hmm. And between Lily Gladstone between Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, it, it was great seeing a film in, in such, in the run-up, there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, focus, like trailers, marketing, everything like that on Leo and on Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. And it's really Lily Gladstone's film. Yes. Um, it's, it's completely her film. And I, I think that's why she, she she's going to win an award this year or, you know, I, I she's gonna win countless awards um because of her portrayal in that film I, I i just she is mesmerizing for three hours and whatever 45 minutes yeah you know like she's incredible the whole film is incredible i mean leo and robert de niro was great as always leonardo dicaprio great as always mm -hmm. um but i i again I'm talking in generalities here. If you haven't seen the film, it's based on, you know, it's a historical period of time where um, where Native American people were being exploited for their oil land, you know. So um, I, I recommend everybody see the film if they haven't seen it. There's so much care um, shown to the story of these people. Um, it, it you Martin Scorsese could have easily, he could have easily, and I think he said this in interviews too, the first run of the script, it was centered more around Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Mm -hmm. And he's said that he changed it because they didn't feel like they were telling the story of the actual victims of the actual crime. Right. And I think that was one of the smartest the, the changes they made and it made the film what it is. And I, 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 I recently rewatched it um, probably a couple weeks ago and it it's, it's still, it's, it's so good. I cannot like, it's up there as far as in my top three this year. Uh, I just, you know, just tremendous, just tremendous filmmaking, but it's, you know, again, it's Scorsese. So what, you know, what are you, what are you going to say? I think, I think we're at, at a point almost where some people take Scorsese for granted. They do. And, they and do. this guy, this guy is now, you know, I think he's in his early eighties or approaching that. And he is making films with more energy and passion than many filmmakers half his age. Mm. Um, and yeah, Killers 
like much of Scorsese's recent output is a long movie and it doesn't matter because it it earns every minute. It's hypnotizing, it's chilling, you can't look away. Um just shots of Lily Gladstone, what she can do with her eyes and her face without having to say anything is such an accomplished performance. Yes. Um she's, I, she's tremendous. This is a movie I've only seen once and, and very much want to see again. Um, but it it was I found it difficult to watch. Um, and that's by design, and, and I think that shows how in whatever he's doing, Scorsese doesn't pull any punches. No. Um, this is a cruel, dark, violent, fucked up world. And in many different of his movies, Scorsese shows these dark pockets of America. And he often gets accused of glorifying it. And presentation is not glorification. There is a, a big misunderstanding about that. If you can't, you know, see that he is showing us these things and throughout his 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 cinematic uh, oeuvre um, to mm. illuminate the dark rots in this country. And then he does this thing in this movie towards the end where he's in the movie, right? And he's been in, in a lot of his movies. Um, the, the function of his character in this movie asks and makes the audience think a very introspective question about who should be telling these kinds of stories because there is a lot and you sort of alluded to this a lot of discussion leading up to the movie and even upon its release about you know we're we're telling a story about something that happened to native americans um you have these very famous white actors in it it's directed by a white filmmaker and by putting himself in the movie in the way that he does it's sort of this little introspective bow that really makes you consider everything you just saw and in its own sort of metatextual way who should be telling these stories why this story is being told why it's being framed this way and how white people respond to violence against non-white people both in the time period and now looking back at it historically and it's a really clever and fascinating ending that um I think really made this movie go from really good to excellent. I, I think, I think the, I think killers of the flower moon. It's, it's interesting. Cause like people talk about like the departed, you know, I'm just thinking of another Scorsese yeah. film that recently it's like, and departed is a classic film. It's, it's still an amazing film. I do think killers of the flower moon is going to stand the test of time I do um, too. for a long time. Um, basically, like you had said, shaping a narrative or or talking about who's telling the narrative of of you know framing it violence like talking about the violence from the from the perspective of not the perpetrator of the violence but the victim of the violence yeah um and it's it makes it such a powerful film and it, and like i said again it's in my top three this year maybe my number one i don't know i, I like i said earlier i love holdovers um at a, I, at, a, at a certain point the ranking becomes arbitrary it, it becomes arbitrary doesn't exactly. really matter i mean i know my top three and i'm going to talk about my other one in a second but like yeah i know my top three and i well, and those are my three favorite films of the year what i always like to say is in a few years when you sit down to watch killers of the flower moon it's not going to matter if it was number two, number three, number six. Right. All that's going to matter is you're watching it and it's a great movie. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yep. Okay. I'm going to talk about the move, the big movie of the year. You are. Um, the movie that was a box office sensation. The movie that was, you know, okay. It's Barbie. Listen, I'm going to talk it's about Barbie. Barbie. It's Barbie. Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Listen, 
I don't even know what to say about Barbie at this point that hasn't already been said. I feel like there's been mm. more more ink and dialogue spilled about this movie from every different direction. Um, this movie is incredible and it works on so many different levels. If you just want to view it as like a populist, surreal comedy, it nails it. It is hilarious. It's clever. It's witty. Every element of design in this movie is stunning. The costuming, the production design, um, the way it uses tangible filmmaking for the scenes where they're traveling between the real world and the Barbie world. You know, they they put like matte paintings on rollers and put the actors on like a large treadmill type platform. This yeah. is like old school movie making in the, the way we so rarely see anymore where you're building physical sets just for that stuff alone, just for the musical numbers for Ryan Gosling's delivery of the word sublime. <laughs> it, it's a great comedy. Um, and then there's all the subtext. Yeah, sure. It's a little bit feminism 101. Why is that a bad thing? Why is it a bad thing for a movie aimed towards all audiences to have lessons that are easily digestible and understandable for all types of audience members? I think that there's been a lot of... Um, I'm going to throw some stones here if you're okay with that, Jay. Yeah, throw stones. I think there's been a lot of snobbery from intellectuals uh, impugning the film for its simplistic approach to feminism. Yes. This yeah, is a, a yeah. Barbie movie, guys. Yep. You have to understand this movie is designed so that the men who are taking their daughters and the daughters can both maybe get something out of it, out of it that they don't know or haven't learned yet, either because of their age or because of the way that this society is uh, not so quietly systemically misogynistic. I think the movie also has a lot to say about the way men are are approached in society and the, the roles that that men hold. There's a lot going on in this movie. And even if it's some of it's simple, it's simple, excuse me, it's lessons that need to be heard. And it's lessons that are designed to be heard in a palatable way by all types of audiences. Yeah. So if you, you if you yeah. want to shit on it because of that, that's your prerogative. But I think you're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, let's let's you know, there's one little thing we're missing. here. It was a Barbie movie released in July. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be a summer movie. Um, it's it's designed to get everybody in like a classic popcorn flick. Right. Yeah. And get everybody in classic comedy, but also teach you a lesson at the same time. And everybody can walk away a little happier and feel a little bit better. Um, yeah. Having learned something um, or, uh, or experienced something or felt something. I, there's an expression I, I reserve for very certain movies. And I think Barbie is an empathy bomb. It is. Right. I, I think that empathy is one of the most scarce resources in society right now. And I think there's so much in Barbie that's deeply empathetic and also serves to remind people how empathy is what makes us human. Um, yeah. And even more so for me than the feminism, than the comedy, than the musical numbers, Barbie's journey to discovering humanity and what it is that makes people human. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but towards uh -huh. the very end of the film, she has a line that's something like, I want to be the part of something that makes things, not just an idea. Right. I think that's something that anyone can relate to, especially women. Women get held up on this pedestal and there's all these ideas as to what they should be and how to be a good woman and all this stuff. Just Go out there, be yourself, and create things, and bring something to the world that wasn't there before. And again, if if you had men that 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 attended the movie, and you know maybe some of this is you know there's a certain subsection and cross section that's it's the lessons are challenging to them. Let's just say that. 
Oh, um, like, it, like look at how Ben Ben Shapiro and his ilk responded. So the movie was doing something right if it got all those people this angry. Well, I also will say this is like, look, even if you even if you even if you step back for a second, there's the scene near the end of the film with with Ryan Gosling um, talking about how he doesn't know who he is without Barbie. Right. Yeah. And it's like society, especially especially where we're talking about, like, you know, I mean, they're talking about it from like a straight, you know, a straight lens. Right. You know, a, a cis, you know, heterosexual lens, basically. Yeah. Um, he, he talks about like a lot of times men in our society are told, you know, well, you know, go find a girlfriend, go find a wife, go find a, you know, a partner, go, go define yourself by the yeah. beauty of your partner. And it was a powerful moment for him too, to realize that, you know, he, he's, he doesn't know who he is without Barbie. Well, he needs to go figure that out. Yeah. We are and, yeah. yeah, men, women, non-binary people. Yes. We as humans are more than just the things that we have or the people that we are with. Yes. And I think people forget to find themselves. Yeah. And what I found so interesting about, say, the the reaction of people like Ben Shapiro and how they thought that the movie, you know, made men the villain and presented them badly. By the end of the movie, the, the male characters are going on as much of an emotional journey as Barbie does. Correct. Right. And I think one Correct. of the things this movie does really well is it it even handedly presents all sorts of different stigmas that society has placed on the, the genders and traditional gender roles. And again, also, it is just a hilarious, beautiful, fun movie. Like you could watch this and just have a good time and not even think about all the stuff underneath it and laugh at the jokes when Ryan Gosling's putting on two sunglasses or when Margot Robbie is crying and can't get up there. It's just, it, it works on everything it sets out to achieve. I actually uh, thought, thought I saw it eight the... times in theaters. So that oh, should, I remember that you went a lot. I did. I did. You went a lot. I, I, I think, I think it's honestly, it's so funny in the, in the, in the well, it's not funny, but it's like an era we've talked a lot about award season and, and who's yeah. nominated and who's not. I know there was a little bit of outcry about Greta Gerwig not being, nominated and yeah. you know there was a lot of that and i and I, I totally understand that um absolutely i am i i will say i it the, the the thing i can say about barbie is i think it was actually the most i think it was one of the most enjoyable films of the year oh yeah um from a from it was complete it told a full story all the jokes are insanely funny um the the jokes that teach you a lesson they hit every single mm-hmm. one of them hits like a sledgehammer um it just I just thought it was the most, I thought it was one of the most, I mean, we could talk about artistic films all day. We're talking about some of the big heavy hitters that are going to win Oscars. Um, but Barbie was the most, it felt like the most complete film to me of and, 2023. And it was still made with an immense amount of artistry. Yes. As I was saying earlier, the production yeah. design, the, the tangible physical filmmaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the thing about the Oscars is yes, I very much understand the lamentation over certain nominations it missed. And there's, a larger discussion to be had about how few women have been nominated for best director, why there there's, if there's ever one, it's only just, there's a lot of very real discussions. Yes. But I think if we take one step back, if you had told anyone a year or two ago that a Barbie movie would be nominated for best picture and best screenplay, most people would probably tell you you're out of your mind. And I think that in and of itself is a testament to the work that Greta and her team put into this movie. 
I mean, I agree. I mean, I mean, most people that know the journey of Barbie being made into a film know where it's been going over the last yeah. you know, five to seven years about how it was put in turnaround multiple times, how they had different actresses attached. Yeah, was, just imagine you know, if we had ended up with the Amy Schumer version of Barbie. We we, we it would have came out in. It might have been. It might have been a funny movie. Yeah, but it would not have been this cultural watershed moment. So, the last thing I I will say about Barbie because I know that. I know that the company has other properties that based off the success of Barbie, we're probably going to get a sequel, obviously. I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and But we'll probably also get other properties. I, I'm going to tell you right now, the last thing I'm going to say about Barbie, if they make this Hot Wheels movie and it makes me feel something emotional, I know it's gone off the rails. <laughs> I know if I have to like, Talk about my own mortality against Hot Wheels cars. L listen, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I think I think this movie should serve as sort of the signpost for what big studios should be doing with their IP movies. Yeah, I think this proved one very specific thing: have the guts to hire a filmmaker with a vision and let them carry out their vision. Yes, we are increasingly in a time where the studios are run by tech bros who don't love or care about art and entertainment. They just want to churn out sludge with intellectual properties attached to it. We've talked about some of those bad movies here on the podcast. Mm. You can still make your Barbie movie, your Hot Wheels movie, your video game movie, your superhero movie. Hire a director with a vision and let them do it and don't get that involved. Greta Gerwig was given free reign with Margot Robbie producing to do what she wanted and look at what we ended up with. Even if you don't like it, you can't sit there and say it doesn't have a vision and it isn't made with artistry and passion and feeling. And then you compare it to, to some of the other movies. I'm not going to name names. And it's just like, even if it was entertaining, it would just felt like a computer spurned out this movie. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. It's, it's, it's such a great movie. And we could, we could spend a whole episode no. talking about and th Barbie. this is why and this is totally off the rails this is why i am keeping my mind open for the lion king prequel mm. i hated and i don't hate many movies i hated john favreau's lion king hated it but you have barry jenkins who i think is one of the most interesting filmmakers of the last 10 years who made moonlight and if bill street could talk saying yes i'm gonna make this lion king prequel let's see what he has cooking let's see maybe he brought his vision to it that's the type of filmmaker I want to see given the the faith to make these movies. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I'm like I said, I, I love Barbie. We love Barbie. We love. Oh my goodness. Oh. I love Dua Lipa. I love Billy. Eilish. Every, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Oh man. So we're going to go from Barbie. <laughs> we're <gonna laughs> what go is from... your next movie? Well, you know, we didn't do this on purpose. I actually didn't even put it in this order. I don't even think I meant to do this this way, but I'm going to talk about Oppenheimer. Oh, you doing it. <laughs> I, did, I did it. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I did it on purpose. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer. Uh, again, Oppenheimer is a movie that if you haven't seen it yet, um, I don't know if you've been living under a rock or, you know, um, <laughs> one of those movies, um, probably one of those movies this year that is going to, you know, it's garnering a lot of awards. You know, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is surprisingly garnering a lot of awards for the movie. You know, um, I, I if if um, if the movie wins a best director nod, if Christopher Nolan gets a best director nod here, I for anybody who hasn't seen the movie or doesn't know what it's about, Robert Robert Oppenheimer was the inventor of the atomic bomb. Um, <laughs> And I know that this movie was a labor of love for Christopher Nolan. He's been wanting to make this movie for a while. 
And the fact that he got a chance to make this film um, uh, is is there were there were so many ways he could screw this up. Yeah, you know, um, telling the story. He could have, and there was outcry before the movie even came out. If you remember, there were people worried about how the story was going to be told and, you know, how it feels about the victims of, you know, the atomic blasts and, you know, um, how that was going to be handled. And uh, I, I still believe if we sit here at the end of the month and during the Oscars and we hear Christopher Nolan's name read as the winner for best director, it's going to be for one scene in Oppenheimer. What, there's one scene that I still think about no matter what. And by the way, the movie is going to be on on Peacock in like a week. Less than a Ooh. week, actually. It's 13th, I believe. Febu we're February 13th. So um, if you haven't seen Oppenheimer, it's going to be on Peacock. Um, Peacock? Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, the scene where they celebrate basically successfully successfully doing the test of the bomb and uh oppenheimer has to walk if you remember into the gymnasium um with all the people where they stomp their feet remember mm -hmm. they, they and and it sounds like an oncoming train mm -hmm. and then you hear this and then slowly the slow build and you hear the screams of the people that are affected by the blast of the atomic bomb and then he's stepping through basically corpses like yep. cadavers and and that scene alone if 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 Christopher Nolan's name is read as the winner of best director. It's going to be for that scene. Yeah. Um, it, it still jars me. It's still, I, it's that, that scene, that movie is over three out, what, three hours long? Three Just hours? about three Just hours. About three yeah. hours. Maybe three hours. That scene happens at like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And it's it, at that point, you should be exhausted by this film. And, I, and you are emotionally exhausted because mm -hmm. there, you know, it goes from, Oh, look at this great scientific achievement to, Oh my gosh, we've unlocked this Pandora's box of death. Yeah. Um, and it can never be closed again. And I invented something that could destroy the world. Like it's such a great scientific achievement. Yes. But it's it's not a good achievement for humanity. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I really love the film. I I, I it, you know. Yeah. It's a knockout. It it really is. The um, score. The score. The score oh. is incredible. Structure. I love the structure of the movie. It reminds me of two movies structurally. Yeah. And in terms of the way the two main characters, uh Oppenheimer and then Robert Downey Jr.'s character function. One is Nolan's own film, The Prestige. Yes. And I think it's a really fascinating parallel between that. And the other one is Amadeus, which I think is one of the greatest films ever made. Yes. Um, you know, the way uh Mozart and Salieri function is very similar to the relationship between Oppenheimer and the Senator. Um, I think this is an, a great movie about the perils of genius and obsession. And as you were just saying, more than anything, what I take away from this movie is how sometimes you can put your entire life into creating something without thinking of the ramifications of that. Correct. Yeah. There was there was some discussion with this movie about how it didn't show the Japanese side of things. Yes, which yeah. is a is a discussion to have, but that would be a very different movie. It would be right. This is a movie about these two men, particularly Oppenheimer, and by keeping the focus on it, we're looking at his internal life. We're looking at all of the steps he had to take to get to where he gets. And I still think the impact of the bomb and Hiroshima and all that are felt just in a different way. 
Yeah. I think if you wanted to tell that movie focusing on Japan, that's a movie that should and could be told. It shouldn't be about Oppenheimer. It should be about the Japanese people entirely. And right. it should be made by Japanese filmmakers. Right. I agree. And um, I also I also think, I mean, the 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 overarching theme of the movie is about the hubris of the hubris of human beings. You know, like you you have this you have these people that, you know, they know what they're creating. You know, they they know. You know, they mm -hmm. they know what they're doing and, and they've told themselves, whether it call it call it delusion or call it, you know, whatever you want to call it. They tell themselves they're doing this because once this happens, it will th this is the largest, this is the largest weapon ever created that it will end all violence. You know, that this one scary weapon will end all violence. But what it does is it does the exact opposite. You know, they're like, once this weapon's out there, there will be no more war because people will be scared of it. We'll create this monster that everybody's scared of. No, it wouldn't. As we all know through history, it didn't do that. It just accelerated it, it even further, you know? Um, you know, we could talk about this movie forever because yeah. I, I, yeah, I love yeah. it just about as much as you do. Sure. It has this incredible ensemble of just... Sure. Great performance and great actor after great actor. It has elements of classic, like, you know, school-based biopics. Some of it reminded me of something like A Beautiful Mind or, or stuff like that. It's just, it's a lot of movie, but it's so focused. And I highly recommend, I got my, I, I bought a copy of the screenplay. They have it published. The way Nolan wrote the screenplay is in the first person, which is such a rare and unique way to write a screenplay. And it really gets you in the mind of Oppenheimer. You know, a normal screenplay would be like Oppenheimer walks to the left, sees blah, 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 and picks up an apple. But this is like I turned left and picked up an apple. And by that little shift alone in the writing process, I fully understand why and how this was able to be such an internalized and personal movie. And I will say, Contrary to what you said, I think Paul Giamatti and the Holdovers is incredible, and I would not be upset at all if he wins the Oscar. I am rooting for Killian Murphy because I think what he does in this movie, the way he's able to hold control for three hours and use his eyes and his expressions, and you watch him grow from a young, more naive person to this tortured genius murderer that he is, is an all-time great piece of acting. I agree. So... So. Yeah, so um, let's let's um yeah I'm I'm sure you've got a you've got another one right you've I got do another one you got All another right. one I'm gonna talk about a film that uh, I fell in love with as soon as I saw it back in June I know you don't like it mm. as much as I do and that mm -hmm. that's okay and that yep. is Past Lives mm. Past Lives is a quiet and intimate movie and I will say just uh, not to bury the lead. I did work with Celine Son, who wrote and directed this movie on a play. Um, mm. I didn't have that much personal interaction with her, but I have worked on a project with her before. So if you want to take that bias into consideration, feel free. I don't feel that I'm speaking about this movie with bias because I'm not that type of person. If I don't like something, I don't care if I know you. I'm going to say I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, I, I found this movie to be so gorgeous and so tender and intimate. Um, and it, it had me reconciling so many different elements of my life. This is a movie that asks questions about what if, what if you made this decision? What if your life was different? What if you said yes, instead of saying no? Um, there's a trio of performances in this movie and I think they are all so attuned to each other. Um, I love quiet movies and this movie is so quiet and this is a movie of glances. 
a look between two characters says more than the best dialogue ever could. And these three actors deliver on that. And I found this movie so authentic and so elegant. Um, I don't really know what to say beyond that because it just, you know, you and I were talking about this offline a little bit. Sometimes the movie just taps right into your heart and your soul and you can't really explain it beyond that. Yeah. Right. And this is that movie for me. I just felt it so, so deeply. I feel like I understood these characters I understood the world they lived in, uh, particularly in New York, obviously not um, the other um, Korean elements of it. Mm. Um, And I feel like I understood their motivation and their feelings on like a primal level. And I think that's a testament to just how attuned to these feelings Celine Song as writer-director and the cast were. Um, I've watched this movie a few times and every time I just feel transported into this intimate chamber drama between these three people who all love each other in different ways and the respect they have for each other. And that's something I really appreciate about this movie. Um, And this is the one thing I will extrapolate on a little bit. Mm. So, you know, you have these three characters, two of them Mm. who grew up together in Korea, one who stayed in Korea, one who moved to New York, who immigrated um, to North America And she has a husband, an American husband they met at a writer's retreat. And that husband's played by John Magaro, who has quietly been one of my favorite character actors of the last 10 or 15 years. He shows up in a movie. I know you're in for a good time. I find him so likable. Mm. Um, If you haven't seen First Cow, go watch First Cow. Anyways, um, so her childhood friend slash childhood sweetheart, who they have these unresolved feelings for, comes to visit. And in a worse movie... Or if this was like a romantic comedy, the husband would be angry, upset. It would be super dramatic. And yeah, the husband character does feel some things, but he does it with such respect and in such a mature way. And that's something that really resonated with me to see a movie show that in life, it's not always about the histrionics or the dramatics or the jealousy or the fighting. Sometimes these things are going to arise in your life or you're going to realize that your significant other has this past relationship or has these experiences before you became involved and the healthy and mature thing to do is to ask questions and meet these people and learn more about your partner and not assume the worst and seeing that presented in this film really resonated with me and the way these three characters function together I thought was really beautiful I you know I you know you and I've talked about this extensively we people have probably seen our our conversations on Twitter or Mm. you know other places um about this film and it didn't as you said it didn't resonate as much with me I will say I will say this the final like 20 minutes of the movie are phenomenal um that's the biggest praise I can give it there that there's so much being said without anything being said Mm -hmm. um that's probably um that's probably the 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 highest compliment I could pay the film. Um, the, it, that last twenty minutes is 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 some of the it was some of the best filmmaking of of twenty twenty three, and yeah. uh, I I just really love that last the last twenty minutes scene between the three characters. There's so much going on there that you have to kind of deduce it yourself, you know, a little bit through through small movements and actions and. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to fill in the gap between quiet spaces. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that's the highest praise I could definitely, you know, yeah. pay the film. So. I, I understand why not everyone's going to um, feel the same way about this movie and that's okay. Sure. But um, 
for a good majority of the year, this was my number one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it took one other movie that we'll talk about in a little bit to quote unquote dethrone it. And again, arbitrary, who cares? But this movie just shattered me and, and I adore it with every fiber of my being. Mm, yes. All right, Jay Stafford, what do you got for us? What's your uh, last one? My last one. I'm going to talk about something that um, kind of came into the zeitgeist in, you know, December that um, hardly anyone was talking about. And I didn't feel like anybody was talking about it. And then it came out of nowhere and and wiped us all out it was uh, Godzilla minus one. Hell yeah. Um, This is a traditional like Toho Godzilla film, mm. um, but it's not. Um, if you haven't seen it, let's back up so this movie was supposed to run have a one week run here in north america um it ran for over a month and made over 100 million dollars um it was made on what what was the budget like five million dollars 15 10 to 15 15 10 15 something like that it was made on nothing it looks and there are scenes in this movie that look better than some scenes in a marvel movie Mm -hmm. Uh, um yes the Without again, without too many spoilers or without, without going into it, why there's probably gonna be a lot of people listening that go, I don't like monster movies, I don't like Godzilla. Why should I see this Godzilla minus one? I think it has everything to do, and Godzilla movies always are this way. They are human stories that just happen to feature a monster. And my thing is, is I think the story is so powerful talking about um basically post-World War Japan rebuilding from the bomb. You know, we just talked about Oppenheimer rebuilding from the bomb and having Godzilla attack cities and towns that are rebuilding from a nuclear a nuclear blast. And these people have done a lot to scratch, fight, claw, get back to where they think they can live a life. And what's so great about it is it's not like super duper weapons or anything like that to stop Godzilla. It's just regular people coming together to say we lost everything to a war we have just started to rebuild we will not let this monster take what little we have and i just it's and there's there's also studies of like guilt right you know um one of the characters is a former kamikaze pilot that couldn't carry out his mission he 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 was scared he wanted to live and he's having post-traumatic stress disorder from that and he's also trying to help the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 there's so many like little little storylines in the movie with the characters that I just, oh my goodness. I, I mean, you could talk about the Godzilla scenes and you know lasers and explosions and all this other stuff, but it's really not about that. It's more about all these human characters. It's about it's about our main character meeting a woman who at first he doesn't have a relationship with, right? He just has she's just another person that's trying to get by, and they have a kid that basically is neither of theirs you know like they're caring for a child that doesn't have parents you know and that's and you have to think about that you know in a post-world war world where some kids probably didn't have parents and talking about what what a what a what what makes a traditional family or what makes you family you know between three people i i i just i loved i saw godzilla minus one i i saw the reviews i saw the hype i i didn't know anything about the film the week it came out here, people were talking about it. I went opening night and I was I was absolutely blown away. Like I I it's probably one of my favorite films of the year. It's something that took me completely by surprise, and I love it so much. So yeah, this is a movie I wanted to talk about also. I think we've talked about it a little bit before. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
it has elements of Jaws and Independence Day, but it also has elements of Dunkirk. Um, it, it, it deals with survivor's guilt. It deals with camaraderie. It deals with one of the things I really liked about it, actually, is it holds the Japanese government accountable for some of the perceived missteps they took during the war. Mm. Um, and by getting the audience, by, by spending the time to really craft well-developed characters... Mm-hmm. When the spectacle monster action scenes happen, they have all the more impact. Mm. You know, sort of I what agree. I was talking about with Barbie and like IP sludge. I think too many Hollywood films start from the action scenes and build the movie backwards. You need to start from the characters and then build to the action scenes so that by the time you get to the action scenes, the action scenes matter. I love a great action scene. And I think there's many movies that are all about the action, but the choreography is so good, whatever, that they're stunning. But in this type of movie, when you have this giant monster trampling through Japan, or you have heroes trying to fight that monster and take it down, the best way to make it impactful is that you give a shit about the characters. And these characters are beautiful and lovable and complex um, and it really takes its time to build it up. There's probably only 15 to 20 minutes of monster mayhem in the movie. Yeah, it's not very much. But it's some of the best monster mayhem we've seen in a movie in a very long time. Not only because it's so well shot and it's actually scary and the score is so good, but because the characters that Godzilla is going up against or threatening are characters that you're scared for because you care about them. And it sounds simple. And yet, and yet, and yet, um, fantastic movie um i'm remiss i wanted to see the black and white version that came out i missed it but Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that when this movie gets a physical release um that it'll have that as an option on it Uh, i agree um i didn't see it in black and white um i saw it twice in the theater and loved it both times and i'm just i'm I'm so happy that stuff like that's getting made me too yeah um and and i hope I hope Hollywood takes some lessons from this movie, that they look at the reviews, they look at the outpouring of support, they look at the solid box office and be like, oh, we can do things a little differently. I agree. Okay, I'm going to talk about one more movie and then one we, more. Can, we can go through a couple honorable mentions or whatever you want to call it and just list some other movies we really loved. Um, yeah. Poor Things. Poor Things. Poor Things mm. is everything. Uh, I've been a fan of Yorgos Lanthimos for a long time. I love The Favorite. I love The Lobster. I love Killing of a Sacred Deer. I also love Emma Stone. Um, mm. And I think the two of them are building this really incredible director-star collaboration. I think they're working now after this on a third movie. Um, interestingly, Poor Things is like Barbie that fucks. Yes. is sort of the shorthand version of it. But the sex is not titillating or designed to be titillating. It is clinical and anatomical in a sense this is a movie about coming of age and finding one's own innate humanity yep when you really boil it down to what it's most simplistic thing about it just takes this body joyous glorious insane journey filled with like wit and imagination and the steampunk aesthetic and these weird hybrid creatures and you know uh you know dr frankenstein-esque you know, monster played by Willem Dafoe with a messed up face who's this mad scientist creating all these creatures and 
you know, it explores misogyny and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it just has all of these different elements packed into the movie. Mm. But it's so fun and funny and enjoyable throughout that much like Barbie, you don't even necessarily realize or immediately understand that you're being taught lessons. What is it? A uh, furious jumping? Yes. Yeah. Furious jumping. <laughs> um, you oh, know, the, 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 what this movie has to say about identity and, and accepting yourself. Um, I found really powerful. Um, you know, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to Barbie, but similarly, you know, the production design and, and the, the score, the ensemble, everything on this movie is firing in all cylinders. And it just brought you on this journey, brought me on this journey um, that felt really unique and special. You know, a lot of movies can be great, but they still feel like things we've seen before or you know what sandbox they're playing in. Like Iron Claw, I absolutely loved it, but we've seen that sort of sports biopic before. This was just an excellent version of it. Poor Things feels singular. The world, The world building... The characters, it's really, really weird, but in a way that makes sense and is delightful. And I think it is just this like deeply feminist, awesome masterwork that could have as much, if not more, thought and ink spilled on it than Barbie. Emma Stone's performance is incredible. The physicality, her fearlessness, um, her vulnerability. Um, she literally bears it all in this movie. But as I was saying, <laughs> you know, there was some discussion about this movie having an element of the male gaze to it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, although I consider myself non-binary, I do use he pronouns sometimes. I am male to a certain extent. So perhaps I'm not the the best person to talk about it. But from what I've heard and from what I've seen, Emma Stone was so intimately involved as producer with the production of this movie. And none of the sex scenes are like designed to be sexy or titillating they are there to serve beatrix's no that's not right bella baxter i don't know why i said beatrix bella baxter's coming of age journey yes and a lot of it's uncomfortable intentionally never once did i feel like the way the camera was moving was lurid or or male gazy in fact a lot of the sex scenes were shot very stilly and from afar almost observationally and what this movie builds up to the last like 20 or 30 minutes I thought were so delicious and mischievous and awesome and it really earned every moment that had come before it to the point where I was basically cheering like you know like the portal scene in Avengers where your heroes are finally getting back at the villains Mm. the way this movie unfolds is and, and ends is so satisfying I love I I love the movie. Um, I I didn't know what to think of it. I didn't know I didn't know what the premise was. I went in blind. Um, I didn't know what to think. The first like twenty minutes of the movie, I I just didn't know what was going on. I was very confused. I was like, what is this trying to be? And as it kind of like peels back, it has like all these layers, right? You know, and you peel it back like an onion. It kind of um it kind of opens up and and you go, oh wow, like there's so much being said. Um, like taking. You know, spoiler alert for people here, um, taking a baby's brain, basically, and putting it in a grown woman's body. You know, that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about here. I took it as and one of the lessons that I took it as is we talk, you talk, you're talking about misogyny and 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 and, and that in our society um, is imagine taking basically a, uh, a baby's brain that that 
has no preconceived notion about anything yeah. and putting it in a grown woman's body and allowing her to make her own decisions without without any of the world tainting what she knows about herself or how she's supposed to feel about her body or Absolutely. how she's supposed to feel feel about you know about how her place in the world that she can just create her own place in the world and go do the things she wants to do without any inhibition or shame and that is that is my favorite part of the movie and i i also love the movie i thought i by the end i was cheering as well some of the some of the jokes had me cackling like uh, I, I think, laugh I think so hard. you and I have quoted the I'm going to go punch that baby thing. I'm going to go punch that I, baby. I laughed. I laughed so hard at that. I nearly fell out of my I, we saw this in Dolby. And this was a particularly weird and delightful movie to see in a big Dolby yeah, theater. Yeah, I nearly yeah, fell yeah. out of my recliner. I was laughing so, so hard. We saw it with a giant group of people. We took a giant group of friends. None of us really knew what was going on in the film. But by the end, we were just oh, man, it was a riot. I, oh. Mar and, and of course, we can't can't talk about this film without talking about Mark Ruffalo as well. Oh my you god, he, he's oh, so oh great gosh. in this movie. He's so good. So funny, so, good. so, so unhinged. Good. Um, I want to touch on one more thing before we talk about some honorable mentions. You mentioned that this in this movie, a baby's brain gets put in an adult body. Yes. And there has been some discussion about how that's really weird and that makes this movie sort of pedophilic. Yes. In the first 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, it very clearly shows us that Bella is growing up and learning. Yes. And moving yes. at an accelerated rate. By the time Bella goes out on her journey and starts furiously jumping with many different people, <laughs> he's an older teenager. She yes. is. The yeah. movie very clearly states that in its text. And I don't know how people miss that. Yeah, this, there's a lot of that discussion. For me, this is like not it. one of those things where it's a matter of disagreeing. For me, this is one of those things where it's a matter of people just didn't pay attention or willfully and intentionally missed the plot of the movie so that they had an excuse to be nasty about it. Again, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not telling you to like it. But on that very particular point of discussion, the movie is clear that by the time she's out on her journey, she has grown up. In fact, the characters in the movie say, wow, she's accelerating at a rapid rate. She's at, you know, she's acting like a teenager, blah, 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 blah. It's right there in the movie, guys. I, I don't know. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I love I love the film. Yeah. I love the film. I, it was uh, it was something that wasn't even on my radar in uh, 2023. I mm -hmm. wouldn't consider myself like, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider that uh, that director on my radar normally for me. Well, um, I highly was, recommend woo! go watch The Lobster and The Favorite. I think I'm, you're in, I for, need to. in for a treat with both I, of them. I, I, I need to. Um, I really I really, really love the film. And I, 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 it was one of my, for me personally, it was a surprise for me and one of the best surprises of, of 2023 for me. And I, I, I really loved it. And, you know, they promoted it heavily. You know, yeah. there, was, there was a lot of trailers and it was, it was heavily promoted. And I was like, when I first started watching, like I said, the first 10, 20 minutes, I was like, I don't understand where this is going. This is very like art house-esque. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what, what, what is going to happen over two hours or an hour and 40 minutes, basically, of this movie. That's going to change my mind about it. And boy, did it ever. <laughs> oh, oof. man, what a film. What a film. What a film. All right, Jay, as we're approaching the end here, why don't you talk about, let's say, five movies we haven't mentioned between the two of us from this year that you also really enjoyed? You want to? You want me to just rattle them off? Rattle them off. Just rattle um, them off. Well, I want to talk about, first of all, I want to talk about... Um, some of the animation this year and yeah i could talk about you know we could talk about disney animation or anything like that but there's two animated films i want to just briefly mention and that's 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Mm. Um, the Seth Rogen produced, and he's also in it, um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. The writing is so sharp and so good, so funny. I still watch it. I still, I think it's a riot. I think the jokes are very timely. Um, I, I, I love that film. If you haven't seen it, and the the cell animation style is really oh, cool. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I don't want to, like I said, don't want to, yeah. Uh, not to steal your time, but this is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with a score by Trent Reznor. Yes, it's so good. And the score slaps. Yeah, oh man, it's so good. And all the performances are great. I I, I just love the film. It was it was uh, one of my guilty pleasures. Um, I'm going to keep going. Uh, the other animated film, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, mm. I, I don't like that it lands on a cliffhanger until we get the next movie. <laughs> but uh, spoiler alert. Um, but uh, I, I just really love the film as well. It's gorgeous film. Art style's mm -hmm. gorgeous. I just everything about the film is great. About Miles coming into his own, I, I I just think it's tremendous. And and um, they are the for me those are the quintessential Spider-Man movies these days. I I just I love that world. Mm -hmm. Um, those those are my those are my animation picks. So I got three more movies. Um, one of the ones that I'm going to mention is, and I'm sorry if you have this in your list. I don't think I think we did discuss some of these briefly. I think so. Um, I was going to mention uh, I was going to mention Anatomy of a Fall. Awesome. Um, um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall, you should see it. Uh, I, I can't tell you too much about it. It's a procedural drama, courtroom drama, but it holds your attention for a whole for two hours. You know, two, two and hours, a half, two and a half, and it doesn't, it doesn't end. It doesn't make you feel a certain way about it. You can feel no matter what the outcome is of the trial in the movie, it could actually go either way, and you could. And I still have debates with people about whether the main character is guilty or innocent. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I love it. The writing is and great movie. Yeah. And then of course I was going to grab another movie that you can see on Netflix right now, May December. Um, if you haven't seen May December, I'd recommend seeing it. Natalie Portman, you know Julianne Moore. Great um, movie. Great movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, May December. So, and of course I know I mentioned this earlier. It's a guilty pleasure of mine, but it's a great movie. Um, it was a great movie this year, and it actually did happen in 2023, believe it or not. 2023 felt like a wrong year, but uh, John Wick Chapter 4. Great happened, movie. Happened happened in this last 12 months. So uh, uh, I love John Wick Chapter 4. I, I, you know, every time I say, I hope they're not going to do another one of those, and then they do another one of them, and I go, okay, fine. Keep you it know? up, yeah. Keep it up. They're probably going to do it again. It's well, we fine. Get a, we get a spinoff this year called The Ballerina. So. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm... Uh, those are my those are my five little ones, you know. Okay, you, you took a couple of mine, which is I'm great. Sorry. So no, no, no. So I'm gonna just talk about other ones. Um, so I'm, first of all, Rye Lane. Um, for me, this oh. is the the best pure romantic comedy we've seen in years. It's on Hulu. Um, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. Oh, Jonathan. Um, similar to Barbie, this to me is the best case scenario of hiring filmmakers with a vision with your IP movie and letting them just make what they want to make. Um, this I hold this up with like the best of the classic Hollywood adventure movies. It's fun. It's funny. Great movie. Um, next is Sofia Coppola's Priscilla, um, which is lovely and devastating in equal measure. Um, then I want to talk about Blackberry. Uh, oh. If you if you haven't seen Blackberry, it's on AM, uh, AMC. I think AMC. it is on AMC yeah. Plus now, AMC or, or, Plus, or you yeah. can rent it on iTunes or whatever. It is excellent. Um, it is best case scenario of the like men in suits talking about a corporate product, screaming at each other movie because it's so sharp and funny. It's so energetic. Glenn Howerton 
is outrageously good in this movie. Mm. Yeah, um, I need to go. I need to see that. I, so, I have it on my list. Yeah, I think you'll like it. And the last one uh, I'll talk about is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, this is just a wonderful, warm, endlessly relatable coming of age movie. Mm. Um, and Rachel McAdams is magical in it. Mm. Yeah. So great run there. There you have it, folks. I think between the (laughs) two of us, we've now talked about uh, 20 different movies, maybe. A lot of of movies. And frankly, there are other movies from the year that I really enjoyed, too, that we didn't get to talk about, which is just a testament to all the sorts of of great cinema that 2023 had to offer. No, for sure. For sure. Um, Thank you so much uh, for tuning in today. Um, We're going to have another episode for you really soon where we're going to talk about uh, the uh, official epic universe announcements yeah um you know we've all known it's coming but universal finally uh opened up their mouths and were like it is coming um so we'll break down those announcements and uh we have a lot more coming for you as well Hmm. um so uh i have been swell yeah and i'm jay uh let us know uh on twitter or via the um other way to message us what some of your favorite 2023 movies are. Maybe we didn't talk about them at all, or maybe you agree, or maybe you disagree. Um, And uh, thank you always for tuning in. Uh, Like, subscribe, write reviews, helps us build up our audience. And we'll see you next time. Until then, we're going to slay. Let's slay. Let's slay. Slice a slice a slay. Mm -hmm. Nothing can stop us now. Did you miss me? baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit.